Welcome back to the Red Letter Disciple. My name is Zach Zender. In just a couple minutes, we're going to be joined by my co-host, who pretty much shows up every time. He's awesome. Chris Johnson. So he'll be here. And today we're welcoming our guest, Bill Woolsey, to the show. It's our hope that this podcast absolutely challenges you and inspires you to grow as a disciple wherever you might find yourself. And Bill's a great guest for that because he he really t- helps us discover what it looks like to live our faith out at work. Uh, Bill Woolsey is a former pastor. He's the founder of 5-2, which is an organization that helps build and start new kingdom ventures. And so we're going to talk to Bill about how to start a business and what keeps people from starting new things. And and I'm also going to pitch a business idea to Bill. So we'll see what Bill Woolsey, the expert, says. It's going to be fun. But today's episode, we couldn't do it without our sponsor, Kerry Newhoff, and his free How to Build an Influential Online Presence Mastermind. I know that we have a lot of content creators out there. I'm one of them, and it feels like we put in a lot of time and a lot of effort to create content, but then sometimes we don't know how to always distribute that content. And so there's a lot of advice you can get out there on the internet, and and it can truthfully, I know this, become so overwhelming and confusing that you don't do anything. And, and, and not to mention that half of it, like you try it, it doesn't really work. Or you think, ah, I don't know if I should have done it that way. So how do you crack the code? Like what if there's a growth formula that works, the one without the hack and gimmicks? I've been through Carrie's Influence Mastermind before, and it really helped me. It helped me do these things. Helped me really hone in on who is my target, my dream audience. Help me learn how, how to get them to notice me and connect them with me. And also to figure out like which platforms I need to be spending my time on and which ones, as good as they might be, maybe just not aren't for me. So hey, to register for that free mastermind, go to influencekickstarter.com because I believe that you can not only create good content, I believe you can distribute it, get your message out. And what's cool is you're a disciple of Jesus. So I know that your message you're going to get out, it's going to change the world. So go to influencekickstarter.com to register register for free. With all that said, come on, episode 20. Let's do this. All right. On the show today, we've got my friend Bill Woolsey, and I'm pretty excited. I call him BW. Uh, BW is uh, an amazing guy. Like Buffalo Wild Wings. (laughs) Without the wings, I guess. guess Uh, But he's an awesome guy. He's uh, been a pastor, a church planter, and these days he leads an incredible organization called 5 2. Hmm. 5-2, and they're an organization that really helps start new kingdom ventures, whether it's through the church or through nonprofits. Uh, they start a lot of things. So we're going to talk about that and dive into that with Bill. And really excited to have, come on, everybody, give it up for Bill Woolsey on the show today. You What's know, up, Bill? Thanks. Thanks a lot for the introduction. I especially love the Buffalo Wild Wings. That's a new one for me. I'll file that away, you know, and put it on the business card, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was just going to start off by saying it, we have a game plan for Bill at the end, but what we should have done was pitched him different entrepreneurial ideas that we sh- could have started. Yeah. And then he could thumbs up it or thumbs down it like Shark Dude, Tank. Dude, I could still do that. Yeah, we do well, Shark I, Tank all I the have- time. I have uh, one that I've, Bill already knows about. It doesn't. It's not any good, though. I don't think it's, <laughs> no, any, it's really good. No, it's not any good. My wife almost fell out of her chair. <laughs> oh, that one. Because I go to, okay, so we got to explain it before yeah. we get into any of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bill's organization is five two, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about where that came from. Mm-hmm. That's the feeding of the five thousand. Of, of course, you know the five loaves, the two fish, right? 
And but I've always seen, and I think the most overlooked, forgotten miracle of Jesus mm. was the uh, a wedding at Cana. No, it's uh, the feeding of the four thousand. That's okay. incredible. Yeah. But and in that one, there was, you know, seven loaves and a few fish. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think it's the most overlooked, forgotten of all the miracles. Yeah, and by so far, by far. I pitched the idea of seven and a few mm -hmm. rather than five, two. Right. I mean, so it's kind of, but you're basically stealing Bill's idea. We're stealing his yeah. idea. We're doing yeah. the same thing, but we're targeting the overlooked and forgotten. Not Chris, not Chris is Chris is usually two. Chris is usually a great second, but he's really struggling here. He's struggling with how to add color to yeah, this. Exactly. Idea. He used to tell my play. I'm the color guy, and I'm like, look at it, look at Bill's logo. It's fantastic. It's five two. <laughs> he's obviously put thought into this, and now you come alongside and you sideswipe. Wow, what, he what a done. nice guy. Oh, and dude, I mean, this is awesome. It's like really kind of offensive. <laughs> well, think about it. The, the gospels have both miracles. So there's a place for five, two uh -huh. for all the mighty and powerful and the most famous. But then <laughs> oh, there's a place oh. <laughs> for the, for the little guy. The yeah. Little the little guy, guy yeah, needs yeah, a, uh, seven and a few. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So five, two okay. is for the mega churches in the LCMS. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Mega churches in the LCMS. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's <laughs> oxymoron there. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Should we start over? No, I like I like where we've gone, and I want to keep pushing my idea out there. No, anyway, Bill, before we dive into what you do at, at 5-2, I want to hear about it. I do want to hear, though, your personal story, because yeah. we got listeners. We're all disciples of Jesus, and so I want to just kind of know how, how you came into faith and what that looks like for you to live out your life as a disciple. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Zach. Uh, yeah, so I was born into the church, right? Uh, Mom uh, made sure we got there. My grandmother, though, was the spiritual mentor of the whole, the whole clan, and she's the one who always poured into me. I lived with my grandparents for a year when my parents were divorced when I was a little kid. And uh, through a series of events, uh, my pastors encouraged me to become a pastor. You know, I led the youth group and all of that. But it was really, it was really interesting having been baptized at a young age and and never knew life without the church. When I went away to college mm. as an engineer, uh, I never went to church except for when I came home. And one Easter, uh, I felt incredibly guilty that I was, I was sitting in my apartment and not in church because I hadn't gone home. And uh, I took the Bible out and read under a tree uh, the gospels. And for the first time realized the gospels, the, you know, the three of them are pretty identical. I was like, this is kind of crazy, uh, in the, in the crucifixion, you know, and resurrection accounts. And, and that was kind of the opening. I co-opted Texas instruments with, uh, that summer, but I lived back with my grandparents and that was the full circle and living in their home for, again, for three months, my grandma, you know, you did not, not go to church with <laughs> grandma's house. And uh, it just, it was a wonderful thing. Uh, God brought me through a series of relationships with a French a friend who was an atheist, then an agnostic. And that agnostic was the one that I said, I think I ought to go be a pastor. And he said, mm -hmm. if I were, if I thought God was telling me that, I would, I would go do it. And I said, how could you even say that? You're an agnostic. You don't even know there is a God, you know? And he became a leader in the church. Uh, it's just, a, it's, wow. it's a wonderful so I, you know, I came to where I am through older, more wizened people pouring into me. Uh, and then once I went into ministry, it was people closer to my age who poured into me and predominantly uh, men who, had, who were ahead of me in that. 
And now it's, uh, I just have a number of, of individuals who care for me and love me and speak into my life. Uh, and then of course my wife is my biggest discipler. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's, like it. It, you know, my mom was an, my mom was an entrepreneur. My mom, uh, yeah. she always started stuff. So that's, I'm sure, you know, that's what, what formed me into an evangelistic, uh, you know, kind of a leader, you might say. I think we have a lot of people out there that, yeah, that they, they grow up. Some do, at least you did in the church. I was the same way that like, this is what you do. But at some point, what is given to you or presented to you or forced on you, uh, like has to become your own. And so for you, it was that college age reading through the gospels and having some really good conversations. It sounds like with atheists, agnostics, and like pastors all at the same time. Yeah, it was all at the same time. And I think that's, you know, that's what in, in hindsight, uh, God's always put people in my life who were on the edge or like, you know, Jesus said to the young guy, you're close to the kingdom of heaven, right? You know, they're, they're close, but they're just not there yet. They're, they're not sure. And, and that's always been a thrill for me to have those kind of conversations with people and to see the light bulbs turn on. And at the same time, help me better appreciate what it's like to be in those, mm. in those shoes and those situations. And, and to really always ask the question, why, you know, why are they acting that way? Why are they thinking that way? And there's always a good reason uh, that they're doing it. And it just helps you uh, as a follower of Christ to be a, a, a better missionary, a true missionary in the sense of I'm living in a world that's it's not the world that I'm ultimately called to, but it is where God has put me. That's sweet. I think it's easy for us in ministry to just get wrapped up in a kind of a Christian bubble where we don't, where we don't have those uh, voices, atheists, agnostics enough uh, at least personal relationships. We can read articles and stuff, which is helpful. Right. It is, it's helpful, but actually having that person or those people in our lives kind of give us perspective and help us realize like why we do what we do. I was, I was working with some pastors yesterday over in Houston, a lovely uh, church called Sojourn. Uh, they have about six locations around their kind of affiliate model. And uh, I was talking with one of the senior guys and he said, he's in a, a atheist, a, a book club with atheists, all these atheist guys. Oh. And uh, I said, that just sounds fascinating. And he said, what's really cool is one of them said, would you do my, do my wedding? And he's like, you know, you want me to do your wedding? I'm like uber Christian, you know, and all this. And the guy said, it was, it was sad and cool at the same time. The guy said, uh, I want you to do it for my family's sake because mm. my family would appreciate it. Mm. And uh, he said, sure, if you're going to let me just talk about Jesus at your wedding, you know, but so it, it is. I think we, we, we think is those of us who have been Christian a long time, we think everybody thinks this way. And, and we think, you know, we, we just don't understand why people don't get it. And, and there, there are billions of people who don't think this way. And uh, many of them live right next door to you. Yeah, that's good. All right. So I, I want to talk then about 5-2. This is the organization you, you lead now. And uh, we, we kind of referenced it earlier where it comes from. It comes from the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So I, I want to know though, what is significant about that miracle for you and, and where, why the name five, two, like what, what, where does that come from? And, and why has that shaped uh, so much of who you are and where you are today? It's a miracle that's in every gospel. It's so it's a really key one. Uh, and in Mark six is we use the passage from Mark six, the, the only two times that Mark records Jesus 
words in that miracle. Uh, he's speaking to the disciples and disciples come to him and say, hey, send the people away. They're hungry. They need something to eat. And he commands them in the Greek. He commands them, you give them something to eat. Mm. And so he holds them accountable for the problem that's there in the community. And then they go, well, it's going to cost half year's wages. You know, that's, that's a lot of money. You don't surely you don't want to spend that much on strangers type thing. And uh, he, he says, go and see how many loaves and fish you have. So they go back into the crowd, they find the food that belongs to the crowd, and then they use the food from the crowd to feed the crowd, which is the big aha for us. And that's what we chose that miracle that just a little food, which you got to think they didn't look very hard. I mean, there were 8,000 people there, for goodness sake. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, and, you know, Jesus multiplies this small stuff feeds the crowd and everybody we work with, uh, whether they're a large, a leader of a large organization or they're this person who is just striking out on her own, uh, they all worry about where's the money coming from, where are the people going to come from? That's their number one fear, number one question. Yeah. And we're, we're like, put the resources question at the end. Let's figure out who Jesus wants you to reach and how you're going to do it. And you're going to be shocked at how God provides those resources. So that's why we chose that name. That's awesome. And so I think it's not only, yeah, what, what the resources, but discovering those, I think is so important and, and letting people know that you are gifted, you are resourced. I think I heard the other day, Fuller, Fuller Theological Seminary uh, said that 87% of the people that sit in our churches, like don't know how they're gifted. They've never done the spiritual gift test. Like they don't understand the gifts, and I would say then the resources, because gifts are resources in many ways. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, the Holy the Holy Spirit in you, right? I mean, you and yeah. I have the Spirit that is a incredibly divine and incredibly wise, uh, and who wants to help direct our lives, but we we tend to say no. Uh, yeah, and those of us who've been around a long time, I've been at this for you know since 1987, so I've been at it for quite a while, 35 years. Uh, we've been through some of these cycles of discipleship. You know, we've been through the spiritual gifts analysis back in 1989, you know, and we forget that, that those things are like pendulums at times in in the church. And, and so Barna just did a recent study of the young population and the number of Gen Z who want to be discipled. They want to explore their giftings and, and those are practicing Christians who want that. And yet, you know, we're not, we're not ready to do that. So yes, we, we definitely want people to understand, but more than that, we want people to understand their calling. So what we're trying to do is to clarify that calling that Jesus has for you, equip that calling and then activate that calling. Those are the three pillars that we really push hard. And that clarifying especially has to do with who he has laid on your heart that he wants you to, to reach and to, to care for. So I have a question for you, um, Bill, uh, I've been out of church for a while and doing a lot of youth work. And for the last like 19, God God bless you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we just, we just did a mission trip to North Carolina where we took 35 kids up to Habitat for Humanity. And then by the fifth day, nine of us had COVID and had to come (sighs) back. So that was a blast. (laughs) Um, But uh, anywho, I've, you know, over the course uh, of my time at Holy Cross and Lake Mary, I have uh, worked with, you know, hundreds of kids and, and I recently, I felt really called to go around because some of these kids are still in the area, right? They graduated. And so I, I 
for the last year, I've been going around to these kids. Now they're in their 20s. And I say, why, why are you disconnected? Why do you not come back to, to church? I know I've had a personal relationship and, and they all consider me their pastor, even though they don't come to church anymore. Uh, and, and so I took them all out to lunch, like 30 of these kids, you know, that I know. And the number one thing that they said was um, because there's not enough young people at your place. It's mostly 50, 60 year olds. And, and so then I thought to myself, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to plant out of the school and I'm going to create, and I asked them a bunch of questions. Like what, what would you do? What they said, Chris, don't have church at 9am. Like I might be, (laughs) I might be hungover. I might be, you know, out late, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And so we're going to do this at noon on a Sunday in March, and I'm building this small group and trying to do this stuff. But then in the midst of it, I read something, and I can't remember who said it, but they said when you're planting a church, uh, think about one family that you really want to connect with. And that's kind of like uh, you it's a success if you bring them in. Right. And so I started doing that. I started thinking about this one family who's not connected, who I've had a relationship with for 20 years. And I reached out to them and they said, yeah, we'd love to be a part. Now they'll probably break my heart, but, um, uh, because multiple that, times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my question is why, do, why do we do this? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, but you know, I just, I have so many like fears and doubts going into this thing. So the thing that you just helped me kind of clarify was, um, I had that fear. Where's the money going to come from? Where am I going to do the first service and there'll be 200 people. And then the next week there'll be eight, including my family, you know, like there's a lot of fears, especially now, right. Coming after COVID uh, about when do we plan? How do we do this? Uh, You know, just a lot of concern. So that that you're helping me kind of figure through (laughs) some of this stuff. I guess there's no question. (laughs) I'll just leave. No, (laughs) no. You know, and, and what you said, Chris, so you've been in youth ministry for a while, yeah. Uh, which obviously means you, you just have a passion for youth. I, uh, yeah. You're, I that's not, you're not the norm, right? Right. Uh, and so, and so that right there, our, our success, because we've helped launch over 111 of, of these new ventures to date in the last seven years. And that's, you know, taking a year and a half off for COVID. Right. Uh, our success has been helping you discover who Jesus wants you to reach because it's likely different than who he wants me to reach. And if I can get you in your lane, then uh, nobody has to crack the whip in you. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it. You're taking people out to lunch with nobody saying you ought to take people out to lunch. Right. You know, so it's just a beautiful thing that starts to happen. And, and even then, as you dig deeper onto your picturing this family, yeah, you, you love those people. It's like, gosh, if I could reach those people, you know, that would be so freaking awesome. Well, that's really so. exciting. You know, like it's really exciting. The idea that you can, uh, that God can work through you to, to connect an unconnected family. And I know it's going to yeah. be tough and I know this guy's done it. And yeah. And I think the beautiful piece about it, which I think it's not just for church, but for business uh, entrepreneurial ventures yeah. is right. who, who are you trying to reach and creating right. uh, that person, that avatar, <laughs> that, that random, you know, made up family or made up names, but uh, who is that clarifying that is so, 
so important. So I want to dive into a little bit of that because I think you do that, Bill, at 5-2. And I, I love your uh, your approach. You know, you start new ventures, whether it's churches or nonprofits uh, or ministries. Your business, right? Yeah, you mobilize people. But your, your approach, your line that Chris loves as well is uh, – for entrepreneurship is a mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban. <laughs> Those two seem like an uncommon connection. So tell me how mother Teresa and Mark Cuban are coming together for anything good. Well, they definitely wouldn't have dated. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so we, we created this whole process in 2015 and brought a couple of guys in dear friends of mine, Chris Kopka, who used to be one of the, the, uh, Presidents, or he led one of the business units at Thrivent, and then Jonathan Wrights, who leads uh, Fluxify now, is, at that time it was CoachNet Global. So we came together and created this whole process that we call Start New. And in in the midst of it, we're like, okay, we want this to have a strong theological foundation. I mean, at the end of the day, our end game is more people meet Jesus. Uh, but at the same time, we we we're not just uh, discipling a person, we're discipling a person to launch a venture that is in a community that is sustainable. And so we want it to be financially sustainable. Well, the number one reason ventures fail, whether they're churches or businesses or whatever, is because they have something nobody wants. And so if we could reverse that and use a business model canvas approach, that's the friendly Mark Cuban thing. (laughs) Uh, if we could use a business model canvas approach, which is an entrepreneurial tool that's been around since the late 2000s, and it was crowdsourced. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, how they put the Bible together. They all came together and say, what's in the Bible? And these guys came together and said, what's a good you know, business model canvas approach? Uh, so, so if we could marry those two up and uh, take the best of both worlds, both, both theologically speaking and then business-wise and startup speaking – we felt that would be the best, the best marrying of a disciple uh, into whether you're starting a business or a nonprofit or a church. Whatever you start up, there are certain principles you have to pay attention to. And one of them is, who is this for? Mm. Uh, and if you can get that right. Uh, and matter of fact, one of the things, and just going back to one thing Chris said earlier, Chris said, you know, what do you want? He was asking all these students this. When you go to test, which is part of our process, you don't say, what do you want? You say, I have this. Ah. React to this. It's like the iPhone, right? He didn't say, do you want an iPhone? Right. He, he didn't say, he, he couldn't ask people. They want an iPhone. Well, he, said, he, had one, right? he said, he said um, they don't know what they want. Right. They don't know what they want, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you want people to react to what it is you're doing. That's why you, you need to test. You mm-hmm. only get to spend a dollar once. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, before you go spend, you should do your work. But yeah, so that's where, that's why we say this mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban, which I have to tell you, it works really well in the United States. We do, we do some conversations and work in, in uh, overseas and they are like, who's Mark Cuban? You know, (laughs) everybody knows mother Teresa. Not everybody knows. Yeah. That's hilarious. (laughs) That's funny. Well, I think when I think friendly Mark Cuban, I'm a shark tank guy. I think Robert Hershevac, he's the guy. Like (laughs) if I want one of those people that just seem fun and friendly, like Robert's the guy, right? Right. Right. Yeah. But again, maybe not everybody knows Robert. Oh, I'm Hershevac. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know his name at all. uh, It's even a smaller percentage. (laughs) Do you watch shark tank bill? I do. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. Okay, good. Just making sure. All right. Good. That's cool. So yeah, identifying, yeah, I have this react to it because I think it's not only, uh, right, it's not only 
who we're trying to reach, but what pain points, what problems are we trying to solve? Yeah, and it's for churches and for businesses, right? That's exactly right. And there's there's a whole thing uh, we we integrated into our teaching called jobs theory, and it comes out of Harvard and Christensen, who was the guy who developed this uh, since deceased. But uh, it, it's it's basic premises that anytime you and I buy something, we're hiring it to do a job. When when we sign on for something, you know, and a big example in the church world is VBS. Okay, so. Why do parents send their kids to VBS? They need a babysitter have, you know, for the summer. They need a babysitter for the summer. They need a, they need childcare for the evening. And uh, I remember one time my staff came to me and they said, we should start charging for VBS. Now, I was evangelism guy all the time. And we had planned this fast growing church in West Houston. And I'm like, you can't charge for VBS. That's like godly. You know, you have to give VBS <laughs> away. You know, and, uh, and they said to me, look, Bill, uh, you know, it was something like, 80% of the people coming to VBS had local churches. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, well, that's not even who we're trying to reach. You know, <laughs> we're not trying to create a ministry for all the other Christians to use. We're trying to create a ministry for people who don't have a church. So, yeah, that that changed my mind. And we started charging. And then we used that money to help people who didn't have a church. You know. And let me just go one on top of that because I've been doing VBS for 19 years. Uh, we used to get 400 kids in two weeks. And lately we've been getting 200 kids in two weeks. And it's because the, and this is why I did a deep research on this because I was losing my mind because we spend $10,000 a summer putting on VBS. And and now I got You can give that. We're, we're a nonprofit. You could send the 10,000 to five you, two. Put your address, put your address in there. Yeah. So we do this, and now the the little community that we're in, they started doing this full day camp for a hundred bucks a week from eight to five p.m. and they filled up eight weeks, two hundred kids, yep. and I'm like, oh, because exactly, <laughs> they're not looking. Parents unfortunately aren't looking for their kids to be discipled. They're looking for a place because they both work and they need it. And now we're not fulfilling the need because we're only nine to twelve. And these camps are right, going right. eight to five. So now I'm bringing Zach down to watch all these kids and I'll go until five o'clock. And I'll, Zach I don't know, can I'll entertain them all day long. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <clears throat> I don't know about that. I, you know, we're all gifted and wired in different ways. And I don't know that that would be a good match. I've realized that I really enjoy, as I get older, high school kids more than younger kids. Yeah. So, yeah. Just that I'm throwing that out there right now. Like I, I, middle school's the toughest. God bless any middle school teacher out here that's listening to this podcast right now you've got your work cut out for you i led middle school confirmation one year yeah and <laughs> all of us agreed that 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 would not be good for any of us to continue in that role it's tough <laughs> yeah it, it, for me at least to continue in that role wow. uh, but it's crazy so bill we talk about entrepreneur entrepreneurial ventures what about those that might be listening that are like i don't really have an entrepreneurial start like god hasn't really wired i know who i am and god really hasn't wired me to start something new so my, my guess or my question would be like what's their role that someone that might feel that in uh starting businesses or ministries uh, yeah what's their role yeah and that also applies zach to pastors because at the end of the day, most pastors went into being a pastor because they like to care for sheep. You know, they like to pastor, shepherd people. They didn't go into it to, in our phrase, hunt wild sheep. Okay. <laughs> they don't like to hunt wild sheep. Uh, and But they do know people or they've seen in people this propensity to enjoy chaos, new people, start new things. And yeah. so I would say to the person who says, that's just not me. Well, first of all, we don't use the word 
generally entrepreneur because it, it intimidates a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. people who haven't like, you know, they're never going to be on Shark Tank, but they they would love to start a, a book club for single moms in their neighborhood. OK, uh, and so we we tend to use the phrase sacred starter just from the mm-hmm. st- standpoint we want them to understand they could start some things and they might have started a few things in their past, uh, but they're they just don't think they're the, the A level. So on one hand, I would probably push them and go uh, talk to me, first of all, about who it is you're really passionate about, who you, your heart breaks over, your compassion, your gut wrenches. And then I'd say I'd try to determine if, if they're accurate or not in their assessment of themselves. But if they at the end of the day, just no, I'm not your guy. Well, would you come alongside somebody who is? Do you know somebody who has a thought or an idea and you could contribute then? You know, maybe you're more the shepherding person and. Once they bring people in, you're the one who will call them and pray over them and text them and that kind of thing. So that's where I would go with that individual. That's interesting. So it's not that they can't do it. They just might need to partner up and do it as a combo or something like that. Yeah. Everything we've started, everything we've helped start, because they're ultimately not our ministries. We we train you to to start them. Uh Uh, They're all team team driven. And we want to see you have a team of at least three to five people. So Cool. That's That's great. So what would stop somebody then from starting a new venture? What, what, what are some of the major hurdles? Oh, the the biggest one is, is kind of what Chris said earlier. I don't think I can do it. You know, I've got the idea. I, I, I've come to the edge, you know, 12 times over the last 20 years, but Uh I just have never jumped off. And it's invariably they're afraid of what, of what negatively could happen. It's yes. not going to work. I'm going right. to be a failure. My kids yeah. are going to laugh at me. My right. wife's going to. These are all things I've thought about in the last month. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. So it all comes down to a, a, a fear level and a lack of courage. Mm-hmm. And courage happens, uh, you know, I mean, at the end, uh, when you look at the word encourage, it's literally to pour in courage. Uh, and, and so at courage, you receive courage. When you feel there's people who, who are there with you, it's, you're not going to do it alone, but also you feel equipped. So there's a knowledge aspect of courage as well, right? You can feel stupid and oh, I can go do this while you're not prepared. So, and that's why we developed this process so that you, you have knowledge and a process that you can work and it's very practical, it's very laid out, but then we want to put people around you. So there's both that relational and then knowledge aspect of it. That's cool. So is that like, so somebody decides they're going to start an entrepreneurial project or they're going to launch a church and then they bring five, two alongside them. Is that something that, um, I mean, I would imagine this isn't just a, a one month thing. Like, no, it's, it's not. I mean, we have a whole variety of things. Like sometimes we'll work with organizations that have their own coaches, but they just don't have the material. So, right. The, you know, our materials online, you can get it online, it's licensed. And so they can do that. And other times that we're seeing now though, Chris, especially coming out of COVID, we got so many churches who lost, you know, half their people. Sure. They got used to new behaviors. They, uh, they, they grabbed new values in that period. And these churches are going, okay, we either just need to say we're okay with this and we'll okay. creep back maybe to where we were, or they need to rethink their whole strategy and philosophy and, the people they were reaching have changed. And so do we understand how they've changed and how are we going to change accordingly? And it's usually in those processes when we work with the whole org, it's about 
a six to nine month kind of okay. venture gotcha. and then longer. Now, if you come to us to go, I want to start this church for youth mm-hmm. uh, students. Uh, it would be something similar. We'd at least want to work with you for a year where we take you through a boot camp. We'd probably come together quarterly, but in the meantime, you've got a coach who's helping you in real time as you're making these decisions. Because when you start something, as you know, there are some decisions you can't undo. Right. Uh, it's one of the reasons we tell people don't choose a name today. Well, right. you know, choose the name. So that's once you choose that. the name, you know, seven and a few. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. You know, don't, especially don't make shirts with that, like on oh the sleeve. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that <laughs> name alone is gold, uh, no matter what happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel that way too. I feel that way. Too. <laughs> I feel that way too. <laughs> <laughs> BW, I think we're wired really similarly, and I'm curious for you because I know, and I'm thinking back to your journey of you were a pastor for a long time, and all of a sudden, like God's stirring in you to start 5-2, which is this business that helps other businesses and kingdom dreams come to fruition. And similarly, in my story, uh, being a pastor, and I kind of get to live in both worlds of being a pastor, but I, I feel more entrepreneurially wired. And, you know, even running this red letter living company where we create resources for individuals and churches. But I think there's a lot of people that still don't get it. I feel like I'm doing more ministry than ever today, even for the sake of God and the church. And of course, we all have our faults and I don't do it perfectly. But I I just feel like there's some people that don't get you you and me. Am I right in that? Do you ever feel that too? Talk to me about your journey. Totally. When I introduce myself and they say, so, you know, what are you? And and I I still introduce myself as a pastor. I realize some guys would say, you're not a pastor because you have a congregation. I'm like, yeah, but I have like all these people around the country who I really do care for. And they, you know, they look to me. And they look to our network. And so, yes, and everybody wants to know, well, where, you know, where are you passing? Where's your church? Oh, I don't, I don't have a local church. And so people definitely don't get some of that. Uh, but at the same time, I guess, you know, y- your comment about you feel, you feel more uh, fulfilled, alive, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoy what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I at times miss that local congregation. Sure. Yeah. I miss some of the, uh, the fact it was easier to raise money in a local congregation than it is to raise money in a nonprofit that doesn't have, you know, so there are a lot more difficulties at other times, but I love, I love, love, love working with people who want to get stuff done. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what we do. We, we only pour into the people that want to be poured into. And when we do, we get to see more people meet Jesus. Yeah. So I, and I you totally see, love it. Yeah, you can totally see a lot of fruit. It's different than what uh, a local church would do, but by working with tons of different local churches and tons of different pastors and identifying these leaders, like I think right. I heard you said earlier, you guys have started 111 new ventures since right. 2015, and, and and your website says that that has introduced 99,505 people to Jesus, which yeah, is awesome. And so I'm a numbers guy, so I want to know like what does that mean introduced to Jesus, but also let's let's dive into like. Uh, Every number is a person. Every every number yeah. has a story. So I'd love to right. hear, like, what does it mean to introduce to Jesus in the way that you count? And then also, like, tell me either or both and from the church and business world, what that what that's looked like for you. Oh, it, what it means is that people people are cared for. Uh, kind of go back to our earlier discussion about where people are hurting. We say, what's the platter you're going to serve Jesus on? Because you're always serving Jesus, and so. So people are cared for in ways that that they 
they believe you uh, love them and truly are, are worried about their well-being. But then you, as this starter, as this leader, are very purposeful in sharing Jesus with them in word and the gospel. Yeah. So we're very big on, we're not just here to help you start a coffee shop or a homeless shelter in general, as good as that w- might be. We want these people to know Jesus, to meet Jesus. Yeah. And so we we want you to have a strategy and we have a whole module on how your staff is going to talk about Jesus. And so we want them to meet Jesus and we want them to know the gospel of what he's done for them. Uh, lots and lots of stories, uh, you know, from from the sex traffic woman who literally uh, came to know Jesus through Deb one evening and that next weekend was murdered by her pimp. And Deb then was called by her family to come and do the funeral. Uh, I mean, just, you know, and, and then homeless shelters outside of Mesa, Arizona uh, with Lori McClellan. Lori was one of our, we brought her in to our donor dinner in Houston a few weeks ago. And Lori, number one car sales person in the Southwest. So she's like, she like sells cars via text. I mean, it's craziness. But she also has this incredible heart for the homeless, she and her husband, and they've launched this ministry that's now, you know, going to third location and mm. resource center and everything. And the story she tells of individuals, she was telling about one particular guy who they've helped him get an apartment. They've helped him get kind of cleaned up and cause you can't get a job if you don't have even ID and clothing and all this right. stuff. And so they, they've got him off the streets and, and he, is in worship and he's been baptized and just a beautiful story on the business side of things. We work with a group in Austin and we provide their training for their emerging leaders group. And these are Christian individuals who want to start new things. And this particular lady, uh, I'm going to say it's Jennifer and I apologize for trying to remember her name. Jennifer is, uh, she's been in the HR and in the business development world uh, online. And I guess it's customer success is where she's migrated to. And so she's now launching a company uh, for consulting to help other, especially women. Her passion is women who are moms who have kids at home and they're trying to balance all of life uh, in the business world. And she was telling us, of this was back in, in May, about a particular woman that she had met through her business that she's launching now. It's in the early stages. Uh, and how she had introduced her to Jesus and just said, hey, let me just tell you, you don't have to worry about everything you're going through. God loves you. He's with you. And then Jesus in particular has a great plan for you. And so to hear those kind of stories and to hear that the people we're working with, they're taking to heart the fact that in spite of the good they're doing, if they don't bring Jesus into that mix, Mm -hmm. that good's not going to have a long lasting impact. So. That's cool. It's very cool. And and I love your goal. Because again, I'm thinking, cool, 99,505. Who knows what God does with all that? But every number number is a person in a story. And so I like the goal you've set for 2030, which is eight years away from now, that you want to start a thousand ventures, uh, reaching a million people. And I'm a numbers guy. So I did the math, Bill. Uh, You've done a hundred. So did our board. Yeah, there you go. You you already know this, but now I'm realizing this. You've done 111 in seven years. Uh, to do yeah. 889 more in eight years is exactly 111 per year. 
right. plus one. <laughs> plus one right. So how do you essentially ramp up and scale up to do seven times? And I'm all about setting God-sized goals. I think, you know, any goal that doesn't have, a, uh, you know, some, some God working in it, like, is just a human goal. We need God-sized goals. But tell me, how, how, how are you going to do seven times the scale? Well, doing? yeah, early on, so, so our process, uh, our starting process, we launched it in a boot camp model. It was in Detroit, Orlando, Phoenix, and New York City. And so everything we were doing was face-to-face, and we were counting, uh, we were doing arithmetic. Uh, but then in COVID, when COVID hit and everything got shut down and we took everything and put it online, uh, and then we started working with organizations who have our same, our same goal, and they too want to launch things. And so one of the groups we're working with right now is a group called Soaring Educational Services, and they are launching Christian micro schools around the country. Mm-hmm. So when we work with orgs like that or churches, for instance, uh, there's a, a church that we're in wonderful conversations with up in Detroit, they have a foundation. They want to launch nonprofits in Pontiac. Mm. Uh, so when we work through that way, then we can have one particular customer who has multiple uh, avenues and all of a sudden we're multiplying out as well. So we actually have a really cool strategy of how to get there, but you are right. Right now we're trying to double our staff capacity. And so yeah. Zach, we'd love a donation from you because we are <laughs> going, we're having our donors help us double our staff yeah. capacity. Okay. So uh, that's I love it. Doing it. And so, <laughs> it, you know, the multiplying seven times too, it's kind of the feeding of the 5,000 anyway. So uh, I feel yeah, like you guys are getting of, even more into that miracle. I tell or, you what, we'll help you launch seven and a few, Zach. It's a small <laughs> that, that would add Because that would add one. <laughs> that's true. I tell you what, you get to nine, 199 by 2030 and then let me be the thousand <laughs> seven and a few and everybody yeah, we'll, will be happy we'll so let you do that there we go we'll let you do that bill you've got something for every every listener that i think is awesome it's called a 31 day de- devotional uh, discipleship center and called faith at work and uh, you, ha- you have that for free and we'll put the links in the show notes as to how to get that but that's i love resources like this because not everybody that's listening is a pastor or church leader. We have people that are working. We have stay-at-home moms. We have lots of people listening to this. And this resource really helps people take faith wherever they are. So talk about this resource and like one or two key takeaways someone can can grab from this. Yeah. So in COVID, I started writing a weekday devotional, write one every day. So I have written now, you know, two and a half years worth. Uh, and they're, they're, we call them two-minute multiplier. They're made to read in two minutes. And we took out of those and we, we took the ones especially because the whole goal of that is to help you see that all of life is sacred. And if we can get you seeing that all of life is sacred, then especially in your workplace, that's going to be a sacred. We know in talking to pastors earlier this year and, and church leaders, their biggest issue was how to mobilize their lay people mm. and how to get more people in the game. And yeah. so as a discipleship tool, uh, if we can start to change people's mindsets that they're in the game already <laughs> when they go on Monday, they're already in the game. Uh, and so we we created this resource that's 31 days. Uh, it's it's designed for the, the lay man or woman to simply read through and to, to some few questions to apply that then and to start to see that God in their vocation of occupation, uh, God has a role for them or as a mom or whatever, whatever particular role that they have and that Jesus has a particular path for them. 
Uh, and we're giving that out because, and we want you to use, we want you to use it however you want to use it. So you could take it. It has the questions. You could create a, a Bible study group, uh, a men's group, a women's group. You could do whatever with it. And we're just trying to provide that resources for churches like you and your red letter challenge will, will help people see that they're in the game of Jesus. They're in the game of, of trying to reach more people. And then how could we also then come alongside you and doing that in a larger way? It's so important. Yeah, I see so much as I talk with, I'm doing a lot of interviews of some local pastors here in Omaha as we do a kind of a state of the city with an organization here called Within Reach. And I've been having a lot of evangelism conversations and, you know, what, what are the obstacles? And it's like the, one of the major ones here, which I know is elsewhere as well, but it really feels like it more here than in past places I've lived is the kids sports and oh, yeah. the oh. idolization of that. And yeah. so we can either be angry as churches and come back to church and yada, yada, yada. And, yeah. and maybe there's a place in time that we need to have those serious conversations, or we can also provide resources of how, if you're going to be there anyway, how do you use that as ministry? How, how, use how, that? Do you friend? how do you bring Jesus into it? And that's what your devotion does, which is so cool. Bill, we got one question that we ask every guest, and then I'm going to turn it over to Chris for a special game show he's got for you. Ooh, I'm excited yeah, already. Yeah, could we so, just could we just jump past the question and go no, straight to no, the game show? Bill, oh, okay, sorry. calm down. This is <laughs> important. No, but we ask every guest to challenge our listeners. We want people to grow in their discipleship. So what what is one practical thing that anyone out there could do this particular week that would help them grow in their discipleship journey? Uh, yeah, I would just, I would challenge you to ask yourself the question, if God only allowed me to, to minister to, to care for, to pour into, you know, however you want to phrase that question, just one person, mm. uh, who would that person be and, and what would they be like? Uh, again, we, we just are so, we've seen time and time again, the power of, of really getting individuals to understand that calling and who Jesus wants them to love and care on care for, uh, and how that can take on a life of its own and give you a purpose, uh, beyond your family, even beyond your, your occupation. And a lot of people we work with, you know, when they hit their late forties and fifties, they all of a sudden are tired of working for the man and, you know, they want to kind of do their own thing. And that's when they come into their own. And that question is, is a very powerful one. So I would encourage your listeners to wrestle with that. Very good. So if you, if you take on that challenge, listeners, hashtag red letter disciple, let's, let's discover and think about reflect uh, on the one uh, person, the one type of person that God is calling us to reach. That's so good. All right, Chris, what you got for uh, my friend Bill here? Well, I noticed that Bill had a statement. And so, you know, sometimes we have ideas for games that, that we've planned for months. Right. And sometimes they kind of come up more sporadically or more spontaneously, sure. I should say. So the Sporadically is probably right, too. <laughs> probably, yeah. Uh, so you made a statement that 5-2 is kind of like a combination of Mark Cuban and Mother Teresa. So what I've done is created the 5-2 game. Oh, wow. If you get five questions correct before you get two wrong, <laughs> you will be victorious. That's, that makes sense. I like that. Yes. And the game, <laughs> yeah. who said it? Was it Mark Cuban or who did it? Uh, was it Mark Cuban, Mother hmm. Teresa, or Zach Bender. Oh, wow. I get in this. Too. Yeah, he nice. gets it in as well. All right. Of course. Let's, let's start. <laughs> okay. Uh, question number one. Who did it? Uh, 
This person learned an entire foreign language just to communicate with one person. This person learned uh, or is, uh, was in the process of learning an entire foreign language just because they wanted to communicate with one person. Was that Mark Cuban, Mother Teresa, or Zach Zender? Let me just give you a clue. This guy took four years to get through Greek, so probably not him. Yeah, I, I was. if it was him, I was going to like shut it down. And, no, right. no. That's, uh, it had to be Mother Teresa. Yeah, you would think, right? Mark Cuban, tell the story. I saw that he is learning the Slovenian language just to communicate with Luka Doncic, even though Luka knows English. Oh, that's that's right. Learning. Has he learned it? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. He said it's really hard. All right. Here's another one, and I'll give you a hint. It's probably not Mother Teresa. This person sold Seinfeld DVDs illegally for three days before they even made Seinfeld DVDs. Was it Mark Cuban, Mother <laughs> Teresa, or Zach Sender? I'm going to say it's Zach Sender on that. That's correct. Yes. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. Zach, tell him. I'm not going to say anything. Tell him the wanna, story. I don't want to incriminate myself. All right. Well, this might be the episode where Zach goes to jail. <laughs> Okay, let's go to the next question. You are 1-1. One, one. one more incorrect question. And, uh, loses. and you lose. Oh, wow. Yeah, this, <laughs> is this is horrible. Well, so you should have named your organization 2-5. All right. All right. This person skipped their senior year of high school. This person skipped their uh, senior year of high school. Was it Mark Cuban, Mother Teresa, or Zach Zender? Uh, Mark Cuban. That's right. Mark Cuban skipped his <laughs> senior year of high school. Oh man. It's getting exciting now. It's what are we? Good. Two, one, two to one, two, one. All right. All right. Let's see this. <laughs> oh, at the age of 18, this person <laughs> left their home and never saw their family again at the age That'd of be mother Teresa. That's a crack. Three, Three to one. We're trying to get to five here. Here Zach lives near his family. I kind of figured that one. (laughs) You knew it wasn't me. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's see here. This person's first job was getting up at 4 a.m. at the tender age of 12 years old to deliver newspapers. 12 years old, 4 a.m., first job delivering newspapers. Was it Mark Cuban? I can't imagine that was Zach Zender. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Zach Zender. That's right. Wow. <laughs> what do we got? Four to one? Yeah, we're getting there, baby. This is it. Oh, my goodness. All right. One of the first jobs this person had was teaching history and geography. One of the first jobs, in fact, I think it was this person's first job, was actually teaching history and geography. This okay. is the tiebreaker question. Yeah. If Either you get it, loses here. you win or lose right now, Bill. Mother Teresa. That's correct. Mother Teresa, and check this out. Amazing. Mother Teresa began teaching history and geography in Calcutta at St. Mary's, a high school for daughters of the wealthy. But she loved the job, but she was distressed by the poverty that she saw all around the school. So the, the rich kids uh, would come in and she would teach and she would love it, but people were starving all around. And so she said, I got to do something about this. 
What a five-two story that is. Well, and we wanted to verify, like, if you're going to tout Mother Teresa, Mark Cuban, like, you need to know these people, and he does. He and does. So he's verifiable. Bill, it's been a lot of fun. Where can people connect with you if uh, they're looking to connect? Five-two.com, Zach. F-I-V-E-T-W-O.com. Awesome. And we're going to put that link in the show notes. You've got a training to help people start new businesses, startnewtraining.com. We'll put that in the show notes. We'll put that 31 day devote. You got to get to the show notes because there's a yeah. lot of stuff there mm-hmm. that we would love for you to see. And I have one final confession I, that I have to make. And I have a final question as well. My final confession is, and, and video people would only see this, and I've been thinking about it the entire time, but I didn't want to distract anybody, Yeah, is Bill, your background every now and then, your head lines up perfectly and, and, and like you don't have any hair. Um, but your your head lines up perfectly with that little uh, yeah. thing at the top, right. and it looks like you have a mohawk. Yeah, it did look like you, you had a you mohawk. Line up, can yeah. you line up real quick to yeah. that? Yeah, come a little forward. A little forward. A little forward. Yeah, anyway. right there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that the whole episode, but I didn't want to I'm say so, it. You're so gracious, forward. Zach. You're That's so gracious. Well, I was going to say that he, <laughs> the first time he said it, you mentioned Shark Tank, and it looked like he had a face. Yeah, <laughs> That's all I was going to say. So you were thinking it too. Yeah, I did. But then I had to run out of the – anyway, I I do have a a final question. Do – because of this podcast, I'm sure you'll send me a coupon for 25% off services at 5-2 when I plant my church, right? Isn't that how it goes? Sure. There you go. <laughs> All right. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. your question. I, that's, All right. I, there you go. You got it. Always try to work our guest. He tried to work us. So you there do. we go. Huh? You have a dual purpose in this in this podcast to absolutely. help people grow as disciples and also to further your own whatever. But anyway, absolutely. Bill, you've been a blessing, man. Uh, thanks thanks for being a part of this. Thank thanks you so much. See you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks, Bill Woolsey, for the awesome conversation. Uh, Maybe seven and a few won't become a real business, but hey, if you want to learn more about Bill and 5-2, or if you want to grab, I really think you should, that free Faith at Work 31-day devotional, you can do that. Go to the show notes. We provide those every episode. Got all the links and resources, and it's also got major key insights and maybe even not so key insights from today's podcast. Go to redletterpodcast.com to grab all of those and to connect with Bill and everything that he's doing. Again, I want to thank Kerry Newhoff and his team who put the How to Build an Influential Online Presence Mastermind together. This free mastermind is going to help you who create content, get that content out there to the world. And so you can go to influencekickstarter.com to learn more about that. Next week, we've got David Douglas on the show. David is the director of Hand in Hand, and uh, of all the things that Hand in Hand does, one of those is leads a recovery program for those that are going through addiction. The story of how David got to be where he is today is incredible, and I think you're going to learn a lot from him. One question I asked him is like, how do you avoid being cynical in a field where statistics aren't great? Uh, How do we avoid that cynicism in a world where sometimes things don't go the way that we think they ought to? Plus, you're going to hear from David probably the craziest like 23andMe Ancestry.com story you've ever heard of as David discovered at 60 years old how many living siblings and parents and relatives he has. It's 
crazy story. And that's just the beginning. So wild episode, going to be really helpful. Don't miss it. The way you can make sure you don't miss it is subscribe or follow on your streaming platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or whatever it might be. And it'll show up next Tuesday. So we'll see you back next week for The Red Letter Disciple. A Huda Media Production.